Episode 30. This was a fun conversation with Mr. Dan Ephraim. He is the uh, manager of the Apples in Stereo and involved with the Elephant Six Collective, aka Neutral Milk Hotel of Montreal, and a bunch of other bands and side projects. We'll hear about his involvement with that, his involvement with artists and films and his involvement in New York, and we try to talk about his love life, but he wouldn't talk about that. And I pushed him. But he, well, he, well, you'll hear what happened. It was a good, good time all around. Good time. All right, well, if your social networking is looking anything like mine, it's pretty annoying these days. All this political stuff here in the U.S., annoying. I don't understand why people are so angry. I mean, plumbing, we've got electricity. Most of you even have iPhones. If you have an iPhone, what are you so mad about? It could be a lot worse. Not that we shouldn't keep trying to make it better, but do we have to be so angry? Can't we just be more civilized and smart and make the changes and enjoy our lives at least a little bit? Maybe we need more gratitude and less anger. Let's get to the episode. Enjoy this conversation with me, Matt Kaplan, and Dan Ephraim. Yeah. For me, that's what I like to hear when, you know, we're alone. Well, let's let's find your place in history because you're very, <laughs> very tapped into the Elephant Six Collective, mm-hmm. right? What, what was your involvement? Elephant Six uh, of Montreal came out of there. Neutral Milk Hotel is part of that. Well, the Elephant Six uh, uh, recording um, uh, company is what it's called and it it, it it officially but people call it all kinds of things as long as it has e6 and the who, it seems to who work who even called it sometimes these things are just media manufactured things oh uh, uh, well this is not uh this is a bunch of basically i manage the apples in stereo mm-hmm. and the apples along with uh robert schneider from the apples in stereo as well as uh jeff mangum from neutral milk hotel mm-hmm. and bill doss and will hart uh, from the olivia tremor control Mm-hmm. Those are the four people that started the Elephant Six. Did they call it collect. that? Yes. Now, what was the point of starting this collective? Uh, they just, you know, they were in high school in Ruston, uh, Louisiana, and they were just friends, and they wanted to. They were basically comrades in musical arms, and mm-hmm. they comrades collectives. Yeah. <laughs> 
starting to see a pattern. Um, <laughs> I'm getting concerned. Okay. Well, you know, there should be concern these days, it seems. Um, a movement um, was afoot. Um, the movement was, at the time, was just to um, write great pop songs and compete with each other. So they were best buddies but they were also competing with each other uh, they wanted a healthy competition yes so mm -hmm. they would like exchange tapes and eventually it became like, they were all working at the you know locally at like the different uh radio stations or hanging out around in, in Ruston, louisiana i think it's kxlu i could be wrong about that but i think it is and they were so they were involved with that sort of little scene that was there and then they were you know they were friends so they would write songs and robert was is the engineer of the of the bunch and so what would happen is robert would um push the technology aspect because his recordings got really really good mm -hmm. and because he was conscious so they would all come to him and have him record it and would, would he have like a similar sound for every different project um, it was at the time it was lo-fi-ish. Mm -hmm. um, was he the guy with the sound making the sound? Yeah, he was. He was that guy. He had a because some some producers they kind of uh, get a different sound based on every project, and then some just have their sound. Well, at that time, because they're it's this collective, so all everyone's playing on everyone's tracks. They're mm -hmm. all. You know, it's intermingled. It, you could tell that it was an Apple's track because of the songwriting, because mm -hmm. it was, you know, one t a little bit poppier, and Neutral Milk Hotel is a little more folkier, and Olivia Tremor Control is a little more psychedelic. So, like, you can know, you kind of, you could tell that it's different, different singers, main singers, but, you know, the sounds were, I mean, Robert produced the Neutral Milk Hotel records. Um, he played most of the instruments on these records. Cool. And, and, in my involvement besides being involved with the apples for the last 16 years has been to uh help produce uh, a documentary that's been we've been working on for a few years and we hope to finish um this year um, it's a documentary on this whole the elephant six yeah, yeah. what is it called uh it's called uh, the place where i uh where we have been to if i'm not mistaken it's a a, a song that the uh, based on the uh, an Olivia Tremor control song, mm -hmm. so um, it, there's yeah, it's been going for uh, five years. The director is uh, you know uh, his name is Chad Stockfleth. Is it, is it finished? No, it's not finished yet. They're 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 doing some shooting still right now, but it's it's a lot of it's finished. It's, he's been working on it for a long time, but it's 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 very close yeah and like yeah. at least the shooting part of it well it's it's the editing it's just that's the hard part <laughs> yeah yeah he uh chad lives in uh in louisville mm -hmm. or louisville i'm supposed to say damn um, they, they want louisville. they want less syllables on that louisville if i you know i'm trying louisville. to i'm trying to make sure i don't offend anyone uh, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm stating the name of their city properly. Um, there's an apple that lives in Louisville as well, so I wouldn't want to, you know, when he hears this, I don't want him to get upset with me. You don't want to, you don't want Kentuckians mad at you. I, I don't. I they got want a lot everyone of, happy. A lot of whiskey there. A lot of bourbon. <laughs> That's true. I went on a little tour when I was You get down them mad, West. they fuel it up with some bourbon. <laughs> Who knows what happens? <laughs> Crazy, crazy stuff could happen. They come after you, Yankees. <laughs> they could. They could, and I'd probably be the first person they'd, you know, beat up. Mm -hmm. Ephraim, what is that? That uh, doesn't sound American. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> what is Ephraim? Oh, uh, well, it. Uh, I'm Hungarian-Romanian. Okay, yeah, you're getting it. You better yeah. pronounce that Louisville right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. <laughs>
<laughs> so this Elephant Six Collective, yeah. the band I know best, obviously, is Nutri-Milk Hotel and also of Montreal. Mm-hmm. Of Montreal, they're still going. They're one of the few that are still... Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Elephant Six is such a... Um, it's a... It's a collective, and it's it's it's. I wouldn't say uh, it's amorphic. You know, it 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 it, it changes. So changes like, with the times. So like, is it still active? Well, when the bands are active, it's active. So it's like I get this question all well, not all the time, but occasionally I'll get a, an email from someone who's, mm-hmm. you know, a, a big fan and uh, perhaps newer fan, and and they'll say, so how do I get signed to the Elephant Six? Right. You know, and it's not really about getting there's nothing to sign like it was these four friends and then they because as i mentioned they all played on each other's records it also sprang to their other projects so if jeff mangum or robert or um will or or bill did something else those collect those you know musical groups would theoretically also be signed to this elephant six not signed but they would be part of this part collective of and is jeff mangum the singer for neutral yeah milk hotel okay. yeah yeah, I thought so. So, um, with of Montreal, your original question, um, they they're loosely affiliated, but everyone's kind of some loosely. They didn't start the Elephant Six. Mm-hmm. Um, they were you know, friendly with, and they have they you know it's it's they're still a part of it. But their sound has has evolved oh, so yeah. much. Yeah, it's and it's not about sound for Elephant Six. You'd have to ask Kevin. Uh-huh. Barnes, uh-huh. if he feels he's part of Elephant Six, does he? You'll have to ask him. Is he in the documentary? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I wouldn't deny anyone that is has been part of it that they're not, but he might not identify as much with the sort of psychedelic side that he used to be more involved. Now it's a little more dancer psychedelic still. Yeah, it's a little more dancing now. So, in Maybe he doesn't feel as close to the Elephant Six collective mm-hmm. as he once did. Yeah, and so you have to ask him. But they're all still friends. It really oh, started yeah. from a friendship. Yeah, they're all friends. I mean, just like bandmates. You know, there's enemies. Friend, fr- you know, <laughs> there's frenemies. Yeah. Let's just say it's you know, there's complications. It's generally very friendly, but there's complications. Why wouldn't there be? Life is complicated. Did the healthy competition really work? Did it make better? art for everyone well they they certainly believe so they they love you know they felt like they were i think specifically bill doss who was the you know with will hart uh, again the leaders of the olivia tremor control Mm -hmm. um bill has passed away a couple years ago why did he do that uh we don't we don't know why he did that um (laughs) um, but bill was also part in later the last few years he was also part of the apples Mm -hmm. um uh as and so robert and bill had a really sort of um especially i think had a very 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 healthy um competition to write the best pop songs and robert to this day when i hear when he when he, you know, he calls me and if he, I just wrote a great pop song. It's like the best thing that could ever happen. Uh-huh. Eagerly to, you know, say this to me. And I'm usually, you know, 
I'm usually really excited, of course, because but he gets that excited where he'll I just wrote the best pop song. Yeah. Like, oh great, I can't wait to hear this. But that's kind of the the idea of it. Yeah. Right. It's it's great to see that these musicians are continue to make music that they're proud of, that they, they feel really good creatively about. Because I feel like that has definitely changed over years. Like I think back from like the eighties, let's say, when like the Stones were still putting out records and they were probably at that point in like their forties, but yet they were called like totally over the hill and and not really relevant anymore but there's so many so many musicians many just breaking out for the first time in their 30s and 40s yeah that's uh that's that's interesting uh you know and and things like careers take you know different turns and um so you know they live a tremor control um stopped if you will for a short time and or for more than a short time they broke up and then broke up i mean it, nothing really breaks up in this form in this form it's just kind of like we're on hiatus well, that's kind of what yeah. happens with the elephant six because they're all so many different members and s- different projects are going on and it's always intermingled and in, in, in that way so when they stopped playing i guess is better uh, originally then will started um the circulatory system mm-hmm. and that's a group that again is of course, part of the Elephant Six. Will, one of the founding members of Elephant Six, it's his group. You know, it's his group plus f- you know five people, and they make psychedelic rock music. It's great. If you haven't heard it, check it out. It's awesome. The people that you're uh, still in in talks with that are a part of this, mm-hmm. are, uh, they're still creating music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they still seem excited about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean. Uh, because that's one you thing know, that's hard, you know, when you do something for a while to maintain that same level of excitement. Well, these these guys are, I mean, they're great and they're also, you know, wacky motherfuckers, you know, like uh-huh. they are, they're, they're great, they're creative, they're pretty inspiring in their own way. Like it's, it, you meet these guys and you kind of, they are from a very... Um, just a, a very creative mindset and yeah. they're you know I don't know that they do anything else well, uh, like that neutral milk hotel record it's so huge it's well like, you're talking about in the airplane over the sea yeah, yeah uh-huh. so many people have that it's almost yeah. like you know when you go through college you listen to that record yeah and, and Jeff for a long time didn't as you know didn't play for a long time yeah why why is that you have to ask him about that I, I, I don't you know he uh he just decided that he didn't want to perform for a while and then mm-hmm. he decided he wanted to play and that's you know so it's great to see him it's great to, it was great to see them during when they came back and played it was awesome i, I no, i'm not so familiar with the trajectory sure. but like you could tell when that album was recorded they weren't thinking this is going to be enormous because it doesn't have that production mm. value to it well the you know the short version um which i hope to get you know 95% correct is mm-hmm. uh that uh you know they I remember seeing them before they went on hiatus if you will and it was uh you know I'm trying to remember the exact when they stopped I think it was 98 something like that I think it was 98 When did in the airplane come out <sighs> You're quizzing me on all this like stuff Like 95 94 90 94 It's 90, so crazy cuz people people still love it yeah well it's a great record i mean it it, i think that what they did you know i think jeff's lyrics are you know really 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 uh they just struck a nerve they're very interesting the whole theme is interesting and he's an he's 
you know, is a, a interesting character, and mm-hmm. he, the, you know, his whole thing was was was, uh, and it was in live. It was very um, very passionate, and I got to see them a number of times live during that period. It was, you know, the last time I saw them play was at an uh, a, a previous version of the Knitting Factory on Leonard Street, mm-hmm. and it was, you know. Yeah, it was absolute mayhem, and then that was that was kind of it. What do you think makes that record stand the test of time? Well, I think that I think that the um, it's 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 soul. I think most records, you know, does the soul of the record of the music trans uh, transcend um, transcend the time? You know, the different decades that you mm-hmm. know that uh, as time goes by, does it still have that heart and soul? I think some of the things for me personally as a you know musician listener fan etc some of the things that you know production value so the production value of some you know some notably great albums in the 80s are in my opinion uh you know hurt the the uh, the longevity of right. the music because of the time way stamps it, it yeah it's like oh, yeah. that huge reverb sound right you know for that drum sound of like you know being in the in madison square garden where it's <laughs> And it's like yeah that's how i feel about the uh the uh vocal tune that's on a lot of uh hip-hop music these right. days mm-hmm. i'm like i don't know that's gonna time stamp you buddy but it's you know that's good and that's bad but for i think that for certain certain songs if they're total if they're pop hits then you know that's what it was supposed to be and that's of the moment yeah. true pop music is of the moment like it's not supposed to necessarily if it's it may not transcend time. It may just be for that moment. And that's fine, too. Do you oh, think any records like that are worth re-recording, or it's just a lost sort of thing? I mean, if there's if the material's great, if it's, you know... Well, I, th- I think that... Um, I think that if... If, um, if the... You know, if uh, the people want to re-record it, they should. Well, I don't know bands, how... I don't know how else to answer that. Like, it's... I guess just in your, your own opinion, not even to do with the, the bands we've been discussing, more of a general thing, like... You know, should is it worth it, or does it just seem like a marketing scheme if a band was to re-record a record? Well, let me answer it in this way: I don't. When I'm working with an artist, I would rather not. Uh, if I had my, I my my perspective is I don't usually work with projects that I don't think are going to last a long time, or their or their sound won't last a long time. So when we're working on an album specifically, if I'm involved with that process, which a lot of times I have been, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm actively in my head thinking about well, how is this going to be presented, mm-hmm. um, and how will it be, you know, when I'm listening to a mix. Am I thinking that it's going to be, you know, it's the artist's choice, but I, I can sometimes mention things or try and position it where, hey, maybe this, I think that, I guess, I guess my own sensibilities, I think, are toward more of a, a hopefully a timeless sound. So I'm drawn to that. So yeah. if I'm listening to a mix and it's not agreeing with me, it's probably because it, it may be too of the moment mm-hmm. and it's not just about the music. So, I guess to answer your question, I didn't answer your question. Yeah. Well, that's so, all right. <laughs> some, <laughs> have to. some bands are re-recording their albums because they got screwed with the whole digital media okay. thing. So, some bands, they don't have any rights to their iTunes mm. sales and streaming and all that stuff. So, like, for example, Def Leppard, it might be the, one of the most public ones. They re-recorded... Uh, 
Pyromania, I think. Mm-hmm. And they got like the old producer, they got the old amps, they used the same guitars. They tried oh, to yeah? just recreate okay. that album. Well, I think that was uh I think that's probably I don't know the whole story of that album, but mm-hmm. you know, it was it was not necessarily um I mean streaming is of course part of it and obviously that was a monster album. But it was probably about the you know the the, the rights for movies and ads. Oh, the licensing, yeah, because yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. probably it. Because you know, there's a if I would imagine that um, they the these recording agreements and publishing agreements are very you know specific. So they'll they'll attach. They might have gotten like a um, a reversion clause where they could reco- re-record those songs after. 30 years they could re-record them right. and therefore they're they're theirs and the publisher still probably owns them but the publisher might have paid for the recordings to be done because that way the record label isn't holding up well it could be license. confusing like because uh, you have the you have the publishing of the song which is just the song as it was written then you have the master which is the actual recording of it yeah and almost always the record label owns the master which is the actual recording but hopefully the songwriters retain uh, ownership of the song so they can re-record the song well, and then they not, own not, the masters. It, it, again, it's after a certain time period usually mm-hmm. if they're able to re-record it. They, there are re-recording restrictions in every contract. Right. So this sense. probably... So the publisher probably paid for... I'm guessing. This is a total guess, but yeah. I'm guessing that the Let's publisher. Let's get Joe Elliott on the phone. What's <laughs> <laughs> <Let's> not? Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what time is it in England? Four <laughs> uh, fifteen. Uh, that is incorrect. Oh no, six fifteen. Right, it's five no. hours ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to call Joe. Okay. Do you have his number? Uh, yeah, you so, do. Oh, no, why not? So it has been that has been re-recorded at this point. Yeah. So yeah. if you're Kodak or Instagram, you have two choices of photograph to totally. choose from. Yeah. Is one cheaper than the other? Is yes. one better? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's so the, the band. One, the new one's cheaper. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, the band is different. There's a there's a member and a half less than than there was thirty <laughs> years member. ago. That's is an arm bad. is missing an arm a half? <laughs> yeah. I think. Well, I guess a drummer a quarter. Uh, <laughs> yes. He's all limbs. Yeah. So I'm, why did Jeff? Uh, why did Neutral Milk Hotel not uh, keep going on the success? It seems like a wasted opportunity. There was no. I don't think there was a wasted opportunity. They just stopped at a certain time where Jeff wanted to stop. And, and what is he a rich person? Is he able to just live on that? <laughs> Again, you'll have to ask him on that. But I, I think that, um, you know, it, it wasn't. You know, when they stopped it performing the first time, it wasn't. Um, it it wasn't like it is now i mean they had you know consistent record sales for the last you know 15 years before they played again right 20 years and so it just kind of it, they were not playing like huge places when they stopped they just and it wasn't at that level it just happened to peak where they stopped at a time where like people were were going about to go crazy for them they were going crazy but it was still building so i don't know how it, it just kind of you know, it's it's. There's no way to predict some of these things. They yeah. just kind of happen. And well, what does he do on. with his time? Like we all have 24 hours in a day. What do you do with your time? You 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 write you write music. Maybe people hear it. Maybe people don't. You write poetry. You read. I don't know. Yeah. You have to ask him that. Yeah. So Dan, what got you from being the son of a classical musician into your place in the music industry? Um. Well. Um, 
I don't know. That's a loaded question. Uh, rebellion, of course, mm-hmm. was the answer to rebellion that. Rebellion against classical music. Yeah, um, I don't know. I I, I always uh, I um when I was in high school, I I. I rebelled against classical music and, you know, found my version of what punk rock was. And, um, I don't know. I always, my, my mom was a social worker. My dad was a professional musician. Mm -hmm. So I became, you know, the perfect genetic hybrid of the two. You know, if you really wanted to representing, I'm looking after. Yeah. A musician. It's like, that's kind of, kind of the perfect thing. And then it branched out into, producing films and producing um you know art events and Mm -hmm. uh you know basically finding projects that i felt i could help somehow so you're kind of a cultural curator (laughs) (laughs) your words (laughs) yeah well you you're you curated this art event in uh new york city well i've curated a bunch of things but Yeah. yeah i mean we just um we did the with with Steve Keen, the artist who has done a lot of work for the Elephant Six Group, and who I met um, back in the early '90s, mm-hmm. he's known for um, doing the Apple's several Apple's and stereo record covers, and he's also. But his primary uh, uh, record cover of note thus far has been Pavements, uh, Wowie Zowie, mm-hmm. yeah. and so he 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 he's a somewhat uh, uh, I think a very important contemporary artist that deserves to be championed yeah up until recently i'd always gone to him and hired him or bought lots of paintings from him and and so forth and i just felt at a certain point i I remember this i i I was teaching myself final cut pro Uh uh-huh and so i needed to get some video for an interview of some sort who can i call up that might be interesting oh you know let's call up steve keen yeah and so i went over to his studio and i took you know, video of him and I kind of assembled it. And one of my questions and going back and reviewing the footage was, so when was your, when was your last New York city, you know, show? Yeah. And he said, well, I've never had an official show in New York. And I, he's been doing this for 30 years. Well, isn't that a weird thing? I mean, I'm not so familiar with the visual art world, but what I do know about it, it seems that uh, you could be a fine artist and have your paintings in the MoMA. But once you, you let it be used for an album cover, you've kind of diminished yourself a little bit. And it seems like maybe Andy Warhol is the only person that was able to transcend it because he's in a place of his own. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think that there, I don't think that, let's put it this way. I don't believe that anything Steve has done has diminished, like whether or not he's, yeah, I don't agree with it. It's just a weird way the art, the the pompousness, pomposity you're, of the you're art talking, world You're works. talking about pop art versus you know cultural art or whatever mm-hmm. it would be called, um, and and I, I a museum art, um, right? I I I think that there's um, that's I mean that's been I think that's been changing and changing and changing. I don't really see that as, now. I see it as like a you know it's a it's a it's a bonus. So mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, I don't know whether this, you know, goal will be accomplished or not, but, um, was it maybe seen as a sellout similar to a band letting their song be used for a commercial? I mean, if you look at where we did, so we did this moving backwards a little bit and framing this. Um, so besides we did this, I, I had a, you know, I curated a show for him at the Brooklyn public library and that was two years ago and that was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then in, in January and February of this year, 
um, I was I was working toward other shows and helping him further, and I got a show in in Los Angeles at Shepard Ferry's Gallery, Subliminal Projects, and so that just ended. Mm-hmm. And, Shepard uh, Ferry, he's the one that does all the nudes, right? Uh, no, he's the one who did the most famous for the Obama Hope oh, yeah, illustration, right, right, right. yeah, and the uh, Obey, uh, yes, yeah, under the giant Obey, and so he's like a gorilla artist. That's cool. Well, he's no longer as much of a gorilla artist. I mean, I don't mean that in any negative way. He's he awesome. I, I'm not saying that <laughs> either. But he, he, you know, he's he's got a he's got a really interesting frame of reference, and he's mm-hmm. he's been kind of building this really cool alternative empire in a way. And I'm really, I mean, I'm super impressed with his work, but I'm also super impressed with how he's how he works he does a lot of benefit work he does a lot of work helping artists he believes in and in mm-hmm. this case with steve keen he i you know i was trying to think of where you know we did this show in brooklyn where should we do this next show and um i thought wow maybe we should do la and then okay well where in la would i be oh well you know maybe shepherd fairy would listen you know maybe might entertain this i don't know it's from the same world steve keen is uh studied to be a screen printer so yeah um there's and there's a know, bit of a punk rock element to both of them oh yeah yeah i mean i, I would i would have been surprised if if shepherd wasn't aware of steve steve's certainly aware of shepherd for right. obvious reasons but shepherd's really he, he's you know his he and his his wife are super like they they just are very knowledgeable. They're very inserted in in contemporary world, whether it be street art or otherwise. They really they're fans. Yeah, and so that gen that genuine nature really comes across. And I didn't know that at the time necessarily. I had had some dealings with him, but I hadn't you know I didn't know him. And uh, but I said you know honestly this is this is the best type of story because it gives it should give everyone hope you know i just i i'd had dealings with shepherd and amanda before but not in years didn't have their personal email addresses i just sent an email to their gallery info yeah. at subliminalprojects.com mm-hmm. and they res- both responded that's amazing within two or three hours that's amazing see that's that's just what happened like they're reading this email well someone obviously forwarded it but and it Hey, it was a well, great, it was a great it, email. You know what I mean? How no, it sad like, would it be if the guy that made the hope poster just pulled all the hope <laughs> from you? <laughs> well, I mean, but, it, 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 but it proves the point of like, well, someone was on the ball and neither forwarded it to him or, you know, but, you know, all I put in my subject was Steve Keen. That's, not, that's that. And like, are you familiar with? Right. And he, you know, that's as good as it gets in terms of stories of like, was it targeted properly? Did I pick the right person? Yes. Did I have a little bit of an in? Yes. But I didn't have any personal direct No, you sent contact. it to info at whatever. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. That, that just goes to show that if you were more of a cynical person, you wouldn't have sent that email. And it was just that one bit of hope that you had. I like that you're thinking this way. I've, 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 uh, you know, somehow uh, camouflaged my cynicism. Well, yeah, I, I, I do think anything's possible. Like, like, like many people, you probably day to day battle with with the two sides of that, and uh, hopefully, more of your days are the optimistic ones when you can send those emails and get things moving along. I, 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 uh, I believe that if you, I don't know, I, th- I think that. It's easy to 
there's ways to when you're approaching a tar- if you have a, a target you know if you have a, a someone that you want to talk to and mm-hmm. you really have like a, a you know a, a real reason to talk to them and uh, that there's a conversation that should happen and they'll believe it too yeah and, and also like nowadays with technology it's so easy to send an email it's not like you had to go fly out to Los Angeles and knock on his door. Yeah. You know, you could have, whatever, even if he doesn't respond. I was prepared respond. to do that too, mm-hmm. by the way. But You would have? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's why they responded. They're like, let's just email him back. <laughs> so he doesn't come here and knock on our door. So <laughs> you, you, you probably are right about that. In, in the actually. same way, Dan, you're in a position for certain people to, you know, contact you. Not that I'm telling people, listeners, that they should be knocking on your door, but I'm sure you'll get emails, you'll get contacts. Dan doesn't want emails, he just wants people (laughs) to knock on his door. And his address is. So, you know, so you're in that position too, so I'm sure there are certain things that pop out to you and you're like, well, this person I wouldn't have otherwise talked to, here's something special. When there's, you know, I think that people, maybe this is the idealist in me, but, you know, I'd like to believe that um, if someone's, if you know, that people treat me the way I treat them. I hope that we're being treated fairly. There are some people out there. I like to be treated like us. shit. So I treat everyone like shit. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, hmm. we'll have to work on that later. Um, I'm not in a position to treat you like shit, but okay. Um, then you get treated well, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, um, I think the most, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that people, if you're an artist or a creative and you want someone's attention, you should do your research. You know, like I, I think it's it's. I don't respond to emails when, for example, when or anything else. If like someone doesn't put it in context, I don't. Why are you contacting me? Like, right? Like, even if they said like something like, "Oh, I heard you on this podcast." Right. You know, you were talking about this. I was interested if you know what your opinion is on that's context but like you know listen to my songs or watch my film clip okay well maybe i will maybe i won't but like give me something to yeah like give something me, to connect the, with yeah it. like why why would you why do you think that i would be interested in because that's what when i'm approaching someone even if i know them really or know them and they're a business contact mm-hmm. so you know shepherd once i got the some sort yeah, of emotional like, hook. Well, I'm contacting him about someone I bet you he knows yeah. of. Like, that's a, okay, that's smart. You know, it's not brilliant. It's just, oh, he probably knows of it. If he doesn't, he's not going to respond. So I'll have to figure out something else. But let's just take the chance. But more something that he's interested in. If yeah. you were wrote Obama hope poster in the subject, you'd be like, oh, not another delete. Well, or he, yeah, he wouldn't have gotten it. But yeah, you know, I just think you got to be, you just got to, I think that we're, lucky that we have all this information in our disposal but disposal but we need to we need to be smart about it that's yeah. all I mean, you're competing against everyone else that yeah. has that that same information and and means and i'm and i'm used to failure you know this happened you know i'm not saying that this doesn't happen all the time it i've come up with a hundred ideas and one might you know one might work but right that, yeah. Hopefully that ratio has come down from like a thousand ideas to one idea. Yeah, I would say progress. <laughs> <laughs> For me, maybe a little bit of progress. I mean, most people in the entertainment industry, it's one thing that really uh, humbles you to deal with rejection. You can't be in the entertainment industry for any extended period of time without dealing with tons of rejection. <laughs> you know, whether it's just uh, no response from an email like that, you're like, oh, the person didn't respond. At this point, I don't even, it doesn't even register anymore. 
you know i'm just used to it i'm just ghosted all the time right i actually take it as a compliment if i actually get like an email or response of something it's like oh that person cared enough to yeah. like copy my name and and address it to me and say we're not interested i'm like all right yeah well, well when you get emails yeah. for viagra that doesn't count i'm not- <laughs> <laughs> I'm even rejected from that. <laughs> Erection, rejection. <laughs> we will not place your order, but have you tried Cialis? <laughs> so you make, Dan, you make your living, You prom- I mean, you do many things, but you promote uh, bands as well, yeah? Well, I mean, I, I have all these different things that I do. and You and have they, lots of different yeah, stuff going and on. And they all somehow form a pie that I, you know, use. How would eat. you... Yeah, because Tractor Beam. Pie. Tractor Beam is your company. Yeah, right? I just use that name for everything. I mean, I have so like Tractor Beam started out as a management company with you know the Apples and and various other artists I've worked with over the years. That and I don't you know I don't I'm not really looking for full time management of other musicians at this point, but I help people by the hour. So I consider it like life coaching for musicians. Mm. So like um, you know someone can give me their scenario they'll approach me and i'll ask them you know five or ten questions give me some background what are you you know what are you interested in and then i try and help them figure out a plan as to what is next and it doesn't have to be a long-standing agreement for me to give them a download from Mm -hmm. my head about what you know how does publish it might be just questions like you need a little basics of how this works okay let me tell you how it worked for me you know here's your here's what a booking agent here's how publishing works people know various levels of this and i try and put it into like well how does it work for you so a band would contact you if they had questions about the the business sure their whole uh brand identity would they contact you about artistic input? Like, oh, what do you think of these mixes? Sure, sure. I mean, I, bands have done that. I've. It's not something that I do all the time. It's mm-hmm. I don't. It's not even something that I mean. It's something that I uh, I like helping people. So if people come to me, I want to help them. It's generally the way it, it works. Um, and this is a way for me to help them, whether or not I. Um, love their music or don't whether i get it does it matter if you don't like their music well uh, i don't think it does i I think that if you're trying to get a basis of it depends on what the question is you Mm -hmm. know if you're trying to just get an understanding of where you can go with something and how it i mean these these uh my experience speaks to every type of music that you can speak to so Mm -hmm. it doesn't it does it's not limited by whether or not i love it if i understand it is usually enough do i understand enough of the music and enough of the background enough of the industry within that genre that i could make some recommendations to them that's what matters i think if you're at a very basic level mm-hmm. if you're further on then you don't need me you hopefully have a manager what if it's not in a uh, matter of taste if it's like oh your drummer can't keep time your singer oh, do is that out too. of key you'll, sure. you'll let the people know oh, that yeah i mean i famous or not famous but famous in my little world is uh I, I, i'm not taking any pride in this but there was a uh you know there was a, a client that that um came to me and wanted uh you know my my insights into the, what they were doing and how to proceed further and, and, I, and i liked them as people and but i hated their band name and uh-huh. and I told them that this was going to be a real problem for them. And they didn't want to hear. That's not what they expected. Cause they came to me with, Hey, how do we progress? We're going to go in the studio and do this stuff. 
like, well, okay, we're going to go over all that. But when we met up, I was like, well, let's talk first about your name, like of the band. I don't normally get upset about yeah. like a band name. It doesn't. Now, do I know this no, band or no, person? No, you'll know. And, and I'm not definitely not mentioning it, but the, but it just ended up being this thing where it's like, I, I really felt strongly that it was going to inhibit yeah. what they're doing. Just if they were a different type of what music. What was the band name? I'm not telling you that. Did they keep it? They're now broken up. So oh, okay. they broke up basically over that. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that, but then, you know, in terms of creatively, I did, you know, some, some folks will have a conversation and then they want to continue the conversation a month later. Like, okay, what's next? Well, you have a show. You want my impressions of a show. Okay. I'll do that. So I went to a show mm -hmm. and I would tell them what I thought was good, what I thought was bad. And I make notes and then, you know, email them right away like here's everything i thought you don't mm -hmm. have to agree with any of it but right. this is what i thought and you know some bands cut the mustard and want to continue on and some people don't and do you some, ever feel like you have to hold back some honesty to preserve some <laughs> it's impossible for me i can't do that mm -hmm. it's i mean it it i can't i i feel like it's my responsibility they hired me to be honest like right. you know i'm not going to tell someone they're i i can't I think there's an overwhelming uh, backtracking a bit. There's a bit of cynicism involved in this because, you know, it's easy for people to say no. It's so easy to say no because that means that we don't have to do anything. Right. You know, yeah. it's so great. Like, yep. no, I'm not going to do that. It's the best thing. You don't have to do anything else. Yeah, everything tends towards minimum energy. Right. No, negative, everything. So, like, saying, you know, in essence, like, but I don't like to just say no for the sake of that. For me, the someone's coming to me they really they better want mm -hmm. honesty and i talked to them about that before we get going i'm like listen i don't say what you want me to say i'm saying what comes to mind you don't have to agree with it well there's some crossover here between uh what you do and i do and it's so fun interesting it's so like when i uh record bands or musicians and they ask for i don't give my input but if they ask for it which a lot of times they do sometimes i feel like uh I can push them to, everyone has a different length that they can be pushed. So if I think someone could do a better vocal take, for example, I'll keep pushing them. And then if I see that they're going to break, I'll pull back. Mm -hmm. So it's like everyone can be pushed a certain amount. And I feel like that's a big part of my job is the psychology of seeing how much I can push someone to get a better performance out of them. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, you're kind of doing that, but oh. you don't want to like destroy. Like, if someone's a terrible singer, no, I want to destroy example. people. <laughs> yeah, if someone's just actively, a bad singer, actively want to destroy. Would people. you? Would you tell a band, listen, your <laughs> singer is not good? I would. I would frame it differently than that, but yeah, I mean, I have no problem. I've, I I do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if the rest of the band is good, it's they need to know that. You know, if, I they, mean, if there's hope beyond that, I think terrible that singer. It, it. You know, it's all about your recording groups and and you know and and you know you're involved with different creative pursuits people are you know it's all in context so like you know if you're in a garage rock band and your singer doesn't sing in key it probably doesn't matter that much right you know it's it does the does it come across another thing that i really value in an artist is um sometimes a voice an opinion about a song for example and then they'll say no 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 it's got to be this way with such strong conviction that I go, oh, okay. And when I see an artist has a strong sense of vision, 
I just give it up to that. That's I love that. But when they're wishy-washy and they're like, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure. You think so? Maybe I don't know. Maybe this. Then I'm like, ah. This I is- think that I think there's value to all that. Like you know, it's it's definitely a psychology game, and mm-hmm. um, you know, big psychology um, game. You know, I'm into mind tricks, mind games. <laughs> well, I know that <laughs> you we have mutual. You are friends with two former guests on this podcast. Yeah, Shauna Falana, which is yeah. episode something. And Mike Studo, <laughs> which is episode something. Yeah, both, specifics. Both really one of my favorite episodes. Shauna had uh, one of the best, one of my favorite things that's been said on every episode so far. And, uh, and what I, was that? I asked her, what took so long to get where you are now? Uh-huh. And she goes, maybe it didn't take so long. Maybe it was just right. And I thought that was just so beautiful and poignant. Well, she's, you know, she definitely has that, that spirit. So mm-hmm. I'm not surprised by that answer. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, we met because, you know, she, she asked me for some advice. So that's how it, yeah. how we met. Um, and, uh, did but, you give her advice? Yeah. Yeah. Did she take it? I think some of it. And obviously we became friends afterwards, so she didn't dismiss it outright. I don't know whether all of my advice was appropriate or not. I, I can't judge that all i can do is hey are we still in contact well then they probably <laughs> that's, you know that's the yardstick did i make an enemy well, or not well no i mean it's it's but it's an important one you know it's like yeah. are we still in touch well, well probably some of it was valuable was all of it valuable probably not yeah. i mean i don't think everyone can react to every bit of criticism that i'm gonna levy at them if they can they've got an incredible constitution mm-hmm. because it i'm not i, I just can't I don't operate in a in a way that's uh I just I'm not with kid gloves here. That's refreshing because I feel like more and more we're treating everything with kid gloves. Yeah. And it's you know what it is? It's just dishonest. When you boil it down, it's just dishonest. It's not how people really feel. Well, I don't want, you know, um, as a photographer um myself and as, you know, curating projects and making films and all these things like I don't Want, I'm not living life because I want someone to say yes to me. Mm-hmm. I'm living because it's if it's a creative thing for me, especially I want someone to react and want you know and, yeah. and to tell me what they're thinking because I can't learn if they're just like oh it's great. There's nothing wrong with them appreciating something or not. No, that's how you create a monster surrounded by people that just say yes to everything and everything they do is great. It's well, don't have to worry about that with me because it's like uh, there's no monsters. Um, maybe it's, it's, someone might call me a monster. I don't know. <laughs> I have to ask some destroyer people about that. of egos. I hope not. You know, I hope no. Not. But it is it is hard to deal with, especially just to generalize artists. They have temperamental egos. That's the reason why they're probably wanting to perform. You know, they want to get the approval of random strangers out there. But um, they often have very you know tepid egos so it could you could easily destroy them well i think that uh yes and i i think that um you know each each uh creative mind is you have to be able to handle differently and sometimes you know i've had clients for 10 years and we've you know not working together after that 10 year time period and it ended really poorly but for 10 years we you know we we got it. We got each other. And yeah. Like it. It's a pretty long time. Six years. You know. Mm-hmm. T- sometimes, just like Shannon Shan was saying, you know, it takes time, and sometimes that's just the right time for it to happen. Now, it might not have uh, happened. It might not have ended gracefully or whatever in the end. But during the time, it you know, 
good things happen. Mm-hmm. You learn how people act. I think it's the same thing with a relationship where, yeah. you know, a, a couple can be happily married for 10 years and then it ends. It doesn't mean that it was a failure, you know. Well, I think that's a cultural shift that's happening yeah. now. Well, I, 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 and I agree, and I I agree with you. It's 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 tough. Doesn't make it any less difficult mm-hmm. when it ends. But you know, let's let's think of the positive here. Like this actually survived ten years. It was actually a lot, survived six years. You it know, was like, a lot easier to stay together till death do you part when everyone died in their forties. <laughs> yeah, you know. Now everyone's living to the eighties and nineties. It's like, whoa, do we want to really <laughs> stay together for ever? That's a lot. It's a long time. Indeed. But how is your love life speaking of? Have you, have you known love? <laughs> We're not going to go there. You don't want to talk about love? Oh, love is important, of course. It's so important. Yeah. I've, I've been re- I was just thinking about this last night. Like, I'm fortunate enough to have known love in my life. Yeah. But some people have never known that feeling. Yeah, that, that, that must be difficult. And yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, that's not really where I want this conversation to go, but yeah. So as far as um, talking to people, <laughs> helping them out, is yeah. it something that it's just word of mouth or something you advertise? Well, with you know... Um, Why are you so guarded about love? <laughs> Let's get back to love. Um, I've been hurt in the past. Um, <laughs> haven't we all? Um, you know, well, uh, some, people, and, some people are so scared of being hurt that they won't let themselves fall in love. Um yeah but i think that back to the (laughs) (laughs) we can have two conversations at once if you're okay with it well i do think it's a you've lived in new york city for a long time and uh i've only been in the city for five years now youngin yeah in new york but i do notice that new york city people are probably most of them they don't have the room to for love for many reasons they're just overwhelmed there's so much anxiety in the city and uh their apartment's their, small their apartment's small there's just too much of everything they might have podcasts <laughs> but it's hard to uh you know it's it's hard for new yorkers and specifically to let love into their into their life well i think that you know it's a creative city and we have these uh we have these uh pro- a lot of us have these projects that occupy a lot of space too so mm-hmm. so for me it's it's a lot of what I'm, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about these projects and it's, uh, do they have to be mutually exclusive though? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, cause every artist is in love with their art and most of them might even put that before their lover. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, they're, yeah, they've got problems. No. Uh, <laughs> well, if, I mean, as a musician, you know, if you're a musician, your music will always be there for you, but your lover, she might take off with another person. And, and gosh, I hope not. Yeah, but are you speaking specifics? Uh, no, I'm not. So speaking, you've back, all of a sudden got back, much further from the mic. <laughs> well, you know, we got to move back to we got to move back to projects because it's not. Really Isn't so love a project? <laughs> Isn't love the greatest? So, project? um, it no, is, you don't want to talk it about is, it. It is. It just yeah, yeah. Um, so you're married with children. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway but I, no, cause there, this is one for, of those parts that gets cut right this for, is the part that gets cut for me it's all so similar like I was in a band for years yeah. and, and I was like when I was in the band I was like this is like being in a relationship with four different people at once because you have to do that give and take well, I, th- I think I think if you're if you're speaking specifically about relationships in terms of creative projects then we're definitely you know it's it's each one is 
totally different and they can be very trying and um it's you know had a, a you know had as many i've had more probably endings of of client relationships in a in a you know in a very harsh way than um you know i care to admit but it's true mm-hmm. um and I just think it comes down to, you know, again, it comes down to passion. Why? Is it because of your honesty and their fragile egos? Well, I mean, you'll have to ask them. But from my perspective, I I think that it's, um, I, I just get, I get really passionate about projects. So it becomes, it becomes, uh, it, it's, it's. I usually I'm the first champion too for something. So yeah. it's like, well, um, that, like that's it. what passion does that passion has both sides. It has yeah. a really positive side then it has a really negative side. It's tough, but I will say that like, you know, tr- you asked about tractor beam and what it is and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, but you know, besides doing this, you know, sort of life coaching for musicians and producing some documentaries and working on uh, photography and uh, managing musicians and uh, curating art and so forth. There's all these different things, but you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, I'm also, I was a a label to start out with as well. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reissuing or issuing some projects that I had, um, uh, the masters, uh, you know, uh, got the rights to, or, uh, was involved with originally and we're, we're reissuing these things or issuing them digitally for the first time. So for example, there's, um, I just put up, a some tracks by this band called the Gunga Din who were um around in 1998 to I think 2002 or something like that and I yeah. put out their first album and they had members of uh the Swans and uh um God is my co-pilot and um uh even the drummer from Nick Cave's Bad Seeds so you've in been band. in the music industry for a while and oh, was- I've been in since you know I start I mean since I was 16 I was doing this mm-hmm. so that was in 1998 1986 so. okay so you've seen the music industry quite go through its changes oh yeah yeah I mean it's notoriously at its hardest point ever right now to yeah. earn money right yeah and that's another reason why it's not really that interesting to me anymore as much as it was like in terms of at one point i was managing i think five artists at once Mm -hmm. that was the peak of my you know involvement uh in terms of you know that was i think 2007 but Mm -hmm. you know that was that was a while ago and things changed a lot's changed in just the past nine years Yeah. yeah but um so anyway but getting back to so there's this project of the gunga din's two albums they put out two albums uh and uh i released their first album and was involved with them from the very beginning so this is recent that you re-released it yeah we just put it just i mean it's it's released digitally so it's um so how do you how do you how do you uh navigate that in the current climate because sure you could put it on spotify and spotify pays their artists six tenths of one penny for every stream so obviously that's not going to be lucrative for something as niche no this this you know again these projects what i look back on this as you know fondly this is just i have the ability i have a a distribution arrangement with the orchard Mm -hmm. um and can do this Mm -hmm. and these are records i'm not gonna sign i mean 
I guess it could happen, but it's unlikely that I'm going to be looking for a new project to put out on my digital distribution label. Um, I'm putting these out because I still love these records. Like this music, you just still, want them to be heard. It just still speaks to me. It's still good. It's like, a labor it's, of love. Yeah, it really is. And and it, and I've been able to come back to that and be more passionate about that after giving myself a little space from managing artists uh musician musical artists day to day what was what was the hardest thing about managing musicians um well it's it's a it's a it's a series of it's a, a cycle of of madness i mean it's you've you've that sounds fun <laughs> <laughs> well you know you make you, you make a record you have to promote the record then you have to tour mm-hmm. and rinse and repeat you know it's it's just uh and after you work on, I don't know, I've probably worked on on some level. This is, you know, some records I'm working on. I might have, uh, you know, had a, a couple of conversations of advice on. So, you know, but so take this with a, a grain of salt. But right. having touched in some way like a hundred albums, you know, yeah. like I'm not really, I don't really need to feel there. Are, I don't need to like... Uh, be involved with the making of another record unless it's something I'm super passionate about now. What's the hardest thing managing bands dealing with them or n- maneuvering through the music industry? Oh, it's always people. people. It's always people, right? It's always people. You know, it's, you know, it's, do you rub people the wrong way? Do you rub people the right way? Right. You know, t- how do you navigate? You know, the hardest thing about anything is what we talked about earlier. Um, uh, a little bit was how to get, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm a, I'm a producer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my job is to get people to say yes. Right. Uh, the, well, I always how do say, I, how do I, how do I figure out? It's a psychology thing you're talking about. How do I figure out how to get someone to say, yes? that's my job. Right. Like if you break everything down, you're a psychologist. How do I get people to say yes? Yeah. So how do I get people to give money? How do I, you know, if people ask about deal, it's not really, you know, okay, how do I convince people to put a record out on their label? Sounds like listening to Anthony Robbins would be like great training. <laughs> you know, just get people excited and motivated. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't have, I, I don't have any Tony Robbins uh, suggestions here. <laughs> but it, it sounds like you're in a place where you can, you can finally kind of pick and choose what you're most passionate about. You don't have to take on projects that you don't feel connected to. I, I it's I don't know that if I'm in a I'm in a mental place where I can't do I I can't right. just I, I it's not, just, you don't feel passionate I know what enough. I'm good I know what I'm good at I mm-hmm. know that if if I believe in something that it's got a really good chance of succeeding in one way or another that doesn't now success is what is success so right. we can define that but success might be you know putting a record out on a small label or it might be like like so for example another. Another uh, example of like passion was that I put out. I wor- used to work with this band for ten years called Clem Snide. Mm-hmm. Probably didn't hear of them, but that's okay. We, they put out. I don't know. I think it might have been eight albums in total over the course of the twelve years. They are still kind of doing stuff and then solo career for the main uh, um, singer Eve Barzilay. And you know it. I put out their first album. I managed them during that during one of their younger periods for a long time. Right. And, you know, why would I care about them now? We had a messy split, all this stuff. You know, why would I care? Well, I went and, you know, I listened to that album 
first album, it's a great album. Yeah. Like I had people, friends of mine that became friends because they found this album and then we became friends. People got married because of their shows, you know, right. like, like someone proposed at their show. And I love that. Friends. So it's like, this is a good album and it's, it, it, at the time, it was 1998. Yeah. It was called You Are Diamond. And it's a, a really cool, like, uh, Americana-flavored, folky Americana quirky album mm-hmm. with interesting instrumentation for you, the time period. And you hear period. some of yourself in there? Well, I, I hear... Some of your influence? I, I didn't write any of it. I What I hear is that that was you know, a time period in, 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 in music, uh, for the burgeoning indie, um, root scene that mm-hmm. this album, you know, made a mark in a very small way and was never released on vinyl, for example. Right. So I found, so in, I think it'll be July or August of this year. I, this is, you know, this is almost 20 years. Why would I care? But, yeah. you know, I care because I love the music. And I found a, a label to uh, that wanted to make a, a, a vinyl pressing of the album. First time it'll ever come out on vinyl. Yeah. It'll be out in, I guess, August on Happy, Happy Birthday to Me Records I out like of that Athens, Georgia. Yeah. And the uh, they work out of, uh, the main dude, Mike, works out of um, Luxury Records there. And it's a really great record store down Speaking in Athens. Speaking of Mike, you also, you lived with uh, Mike Studo, who is a guest on this podcast, who owns Brownies and now Hi-Fi. Yeah. You know, I do a comedy show at Hi-Fi every Friday night. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's a, that's a plug. That's that totally sounds like a plug. <laughs> I, I can't I believe say, I haven't been there. Oh, you I live around the corner. Oh, you do? But yeah. I don't, I don't know what, I mean, I go there quite often yeah every friday uh eight to nine thirty in the back room it's well, usually packed too it's been good maybe that's why you didn't see me there no i didn't see you there i didn't go there i don't know what the problem is okay you should well, come. We'll go yeah so you will you, you. Yeah, feel free you'll get it though uh, well be prepared <laughs> i'm okay. ready bring bring it yes you're gonna I, have to i'm up for the challenge personally are you yeah i am are you really i i think are so. you sure i think now so. I'm, you're getting some doubt i noticed just well that's now. good that's strength building <laughs> Like I'm one of those people that I I'm very sensitive, but I also appreciate critique, and I'll never get mad at someone for giving me crit- criticism ever. I'll just take it and let my ego deal with its bruises. What if people call you a douchebag on your podcast? I mean, <laughs> you're welcome to. I might agree with you. I'm probably it's a not me. Half the time. I didn't. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm but just suggesting. I'm just, I'm just asking. <laughs> all, all, all our guests. That's a very Trump move of you. <laughs> all our just guests think it. Right. No one has yet said it. Yes. Okay. You could be the first. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, honestly, I would be upset with myself if I did that. But, but you're an honest person. I am. I don't. You know, I, if, it, if we're talking about whether or not you're a douchebag or yeah. not, mm, jury's still out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a couple more minutes to uh, bring the jury back in. So, so what are there things that are that are you're passionate about that seem shiny that you haven't yet really gotten dug your teeth into yet that you're like, this is what I want to produce. This is what I want to be. Well, part there of. there are things that still like um, are on like the you know the side burner that I still think about. Um, like um i started a petition for um a uh memorial on uh the the mall in dc for pete seeger mm-hmm. and uh you know that got some 
traction. Not a whole lot, but Wait, what, you want a memorial for Pete Seeger. Yeah, in D.C. Yeah. Okay. I I believe that people visiting our nation's capital should see the best of what our country is about, and I think that he was one of the most inclusive people that you'll have ever run across mm -hmm. and that he's not represented in history um in a way that is equitable i think he's up there with you know a lot of the civil rights um uh you know that he was involved with marches and so forth but this was a a, a person that that cared deeply about the people our environment um, He's kind of one of the first protest singers, right? Well, he um, he he was certainly besides. The, he, well, you he could was, say the slaves were the first protest singers, right? Well, he was he the was blues. certainly a, he was certainly a very notable, you know, certainly mm -hmm. one of the first and and very notable. So, whatever do, do, the is case, there a truth to that statement? I, I just had that thought. What? I mean, that maybe uh, the blues and people that were sing, the singing slaves were maybe the first protest singers. I couldn't argue with that. Yeah, is there a truth? Where it's where you know gospel and blues came out of a lot of that yeah. culture. Yeah. and singing about hardship. Sure, right. Why not? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, is, is there uh, information about uh, what you're trying to do with Pete Seeger's legacy? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's can, a Facebook uh, there's a Facebook page and there's a petition and yeah. so forth. And it's, it's all linkable from the website. which yeah. is in the show notes. Yeah, and that is a plug. <laughs> I, I I met. Pete Seeger a few years back, maybe 10, 15 years ago, seemed like a genuinely sweet, warm person. Uh, he um, cut Matt's vocal cord, though. He didn't like the way he was talking. <laughs> hey, that's that's criticism, <laughs> you know, and I uh, accepted he it. Would, he would actually have never done that. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I met Pete on a number of occasions. He was always that way, and yeah. um, I worked on an album of, uh, or two albums of Woody Guthrie music, mm -hmm. and uh, um, obviously they were, or not obviously, but to inform you, they were best friends. And, uh, it, so in essence, uh, you know, there's a lot of, whenever you're talking about Woody Guthrie and you're, you're talking about Pete Seeger, cause they shared so much, yeah. um, not just politically, but Women. musically, <laughs> um, and uh, so well, I didn't Pete Seeger. My my joke was a reference to Pete Seeger cutting Bob Dylan's cord at the Monterey because when Bob Dylan came out electric, the famous story is the that Newport Pete, Newport, Newport Folk Festival. Yeah, so Pete Seeger cut the power line. Right. No electric music. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I understand the reference now. I didn't then. Yeah, but it was, thanks it was subtle. for explaining that. Yeah. Like, did you get it, Matt? No, I didn't. No. Thanks. Okay. No. Thanks for that. Like three minutes after the fact. Like, <laughs> I just had to clarify. If you want to rewind and go back and listen to that <laughs> mediocre joke, <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, but that is like when I heard that he did that, I was kind of like, oh, that's pretty lame. Well, but you know, I think that uh, you know, you look over the course of. Uh, you know, there's Pete. Uh, Pete's principle, like there's a real. You know, he helped start Newport Fol uh, Folk Festival. So, mm -hmm. like this is a this was very principle. It's a different time where it wasn't as inclusive, and I think that you know he looked may have looked at it from a, I don't, and I I don't I've read about it of course, but I I don't know what he was thinking at the time, um, but. Well, you I mean, know. one person's bad action doesn't negate everything good that they've done. I'm not saying. Well, that. 
even though the brain wants to do that. I think the brain wants to be, everything's black and white. Oh, he did this bad thing, he's an idiot, throw him in the idiot pile. Well, I mean, whether it's even, whether it's even bad, I mean, you know, it, it, it brought, it, it, in a way, it brought a lot of attention to um, uh, Bob Dylan and the festival again. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe it was actually really the best PR movie could have done. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the I'm whole just, electric acoustic thing is silly once you amplify an acoustic instrument. It is technically electric. But at the time, they weren't doing much of that either. It was all, you know, I mean, there was, there might have been, there might have been a microphone for an acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. but it might not have been a pickup. It might not have been, a, you know, there's a lot of different. Uh, technically, a microphone is a pickup. A, a pickup is a microphone. It's so silly, like okay. where you draw the line. All right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give up on that point. Also, I mean, who knows the, the true story? I mean, Dylan is famously arrogant and can be prickly. Who knows what he said to Seeger right before he hit the stage? Oh, right, right. You know. I'm sure, you know, I can't, I don't know. That's an interesting we should, i heard he masturbated on his banjo is that true <laughs> that is true there are photos and specimen you guys are <laughs> specimen <laughs> that is that's uh, inappropriate very, <laughs> say specimen. The least. inappropriate i think they call it specimen that's inappropriate <laughs> i'm flagging that for inappropriateness <laughs> um but working working with the the guthrie family and getting into that world kind of introduced me to you really can't go anywhere you know you can't go anywhere um and talk about woody without pete and Mm -hmm. so i kind of got into i really got into even more so um the idea of like wow well pete's kind of underappreciated here as well Mm -hmm. so that's what kind of brought it up is that idea for the 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 you know some type of uh memorial on the mall now i don't i don't you know, I think it's probably unlikely that something like that will happen. And there's lots of people upstate that want to keep it um, upstate. Um, right. And that's perfectly reasonable, too. I think it should be both. And I think that he's an important figure that I would like represented on them all. Is there a other music, people do? I, you know. Is there a music element in D.C. that represents uh, part of the, our country? Like blues started here and, you know, well, Americana. there's famously you know, a lot of punk rock came from DC, mm-hmm. Fugazi and so forth. I mean, Discord. yeah, there's a, uh, you know, there's that. And, uh, I mean, I, I think that, um, that alone, the eth- the ethos of, 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 of discord and, and so forth is there's interesting parallels. I think to be drawn from what, you know, Pete's folk music idealism, mm-hmm. uh, is about and their whole, you know, Fugazi's, uh, uh, long-standing uh you know ticket price five dollars and everyone inclusive and you know this type of thing and and pete singing to workers i mean Mm -hmm. there's 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 parallels to be drawn there i think yeah do you feel any uh nostalgia or sadness in the way that now i mean you know it used to be selling out to have your song used in a commercial but now it's like oh congratulations i heard your song in the converse commercial because it's just so hard to make a living as an artist. It's harder than ever. I don't. I don't uh, have as many beefs about it as I once did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, honestly, you know, people are discovering music from commercials now. Well, I mean, I think that there's all these different revenue streams, and there's all these different. You know, I I, I look at it as 
I don't look at it as discovering music as much anymore, though I know it does happen. I I look at it as, hey, is it a check or not? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it really right. comes because you know it's it is it's it's hard and you have an opportunity and you decide if that. I mean, there are decisions that you make whether or not you want to support a certain type of um, brand. Yeah, but I mean. You know the apples wouldn't. I, I probably wouldn't be in the position I'm in now if the apples didn't license a lot of music. So right. So we're very very lucky. Didn't they have a huge licensing placement, like for um, McDonald's or Apple? Well, it's not for either of those. But we've they've done a lot of they've done a, a ton of licenses. Yeah, years, I know. Of so. Montreal got a lot of flack for. Uh, they used one of their songs in like some steakhouse. Oh yeah, Outback Steak Outback. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was. Yeah, that's very different, I think. Yeah, I mean, because because you resang the vocal track to make it outback. They should do whatever they want. It's yeah. totally their call. I, you know, I I I'm, I I mean uh we're 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 so, you know, we're just happy that like people call want to use music. Exactly. Yeah, I think people are very quick to judge people on things like that. And it's like, hey, now the band members can send their kids to college. And what's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. Probably can't do that, but... Not not even with that, but... (laughs) Maybe a semester. Maybe a community college. Maybe they'll they'll buy the books. Yeah. (laughs) They used to call it selling out. Now I call it buying in. Oh. Yeah. Because you got to, you know, you got to make your money somehow. I predict a future for you. (laughs) What's a bigger sellout? Me working as a waiter to support my art or me selling a song to a company so I could just make my art full time? Seems to me like me putting 40 hours in a restaurant. I don't think either of them is sellout. I think they're all, they're both examples of what you need to survive. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you're an artist. You need to, um, I mean, any type of you have to predict that it's in my opinion you have to work towards success but believe and be realistic the whole time so you you know you have to you have to pay your dues you have to work hard mm-hmm. and not expect it yeah you know if you expect it i think there's a real problem there especially with new new musicians okay so mm-hmm. you have been in the music industry for a long time and you've been very involved with it. so when bands want to contact you mm. for help mm-hmm. and guidance mm-hmm. they go to tractor beam yeah which is the link is in the show notes yeah and if people need advice on love <laughs> <laughs> they should go to you because evidently you want to talk about love they should email the show <laughs> talk which about is in love. the show notes uh, yeah. email the show All right. yes. in the show notes yeah the email will be in the show notes this episode is it embedded in the show notes yeah it should be, be clickable embedded. it'll be Okay. Yeah, tap on the tap on your screen or wherever you're listening. <laughs> Everything so is clickable now. Unless it'll, you're driving. It'll be hyperlinked. Hyperlinked. So hyper mega hyperlinked. Right. You should have a love episode. We should. I want to have a love just episode. Just have like a love counselor come on and counsel you about Yeah, I want love feelings, your feelings of love. Do you do online dating? Me? Yeah. Um maybe maybe you're not sure <laughs> well i don't know i'm not going into this discussion about you want to you want to swipe left on this commercial on this uh conversation right yeah now. right now i'm looking at the <laughs> you're swiping left on this subject <laughs> yeah i'm like uh uninstall application <laughs> <laughs> because people have fallen in love from listening to this podcast really yeah wow, that's amazing you never know someone some person out there can hear your take on love and go to the show notes and email you 
Is that true, Gary? Yeah. Oh really? my God. Mm-hmm. Asked about Please. that after. Yeah. Let's keep this. You know, I don't want to name names. But, okay. You know. People are people are hearing. But people Donald talk. Trump found love <laughs> on your from our podcast. Well, there you go. Well, yes. he's the greatest, and I will be seeing him later. Okay. So, <laughs> so to wrap it all up, if wrap. you're a band, yeah, contact Dan. If you're a songwriter, don't. Why are you shaking your head? I no. I, I honestly. You know, um, yeah, don't don't contact me. It's probably better that you don't. <laughs> Unless I'm, you're really I, I tough. Mean, yeah, I mean, you probably don't. If you want honesty, you no. want honest, real feedback, your friends won't give it to you. Yeah, if, you know, you're probably not, you're probably not ready to contact me, so don't. I, I see that as a yes to and a challenge. Because all your friends, they're not being honest with you. You play your song and they all clap because they're supposed to, but no one's telling you the truth. Only when you stop doing what you're doing will your friends tell you the truth. But Dan will tell you the truth <laughs> while you're doing what you're doing. Unless it's about love. You're probably not, not prepared. Talk to you you're, about. Probably, you're probably not prepared for the truth. So probably not so you probably won't be contacting me. Get prepared and for once in your life someone will be honest and real with you. For once in your life don't you want that? <laughs> Doesn't anyone want to be... Uh, no one. We all just want to be told we're the best and we're loved. Yeah, everyone just wants to be coddled again like they're three. That sounds <gasps> great, Gary. Can you do that to me wow, right now? that's a little deep. <laughs> we're, we're, Let's talk about that for a minute. It's true. You know, life just gets worse from... Like, once you turn three and four, it's all downhill. Because before that, you're just held and coddled and everyone's just looming over you like, Oh, so cute, so cute. Is this Everything what happened? This is what happened to me. It's okay. just like every day is worse and worse. I just wish I would just be given all that love and affection and attention and squeezing up the cheeks. So this is part of that? Yeah. Like right now? Yeah. Is- yeah. I want, I want that. You want love. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about you and love. Let's shut the mics off and just have you coddle me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dan, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. 